Today's podcast is brought to you by RetouchUp.com. RetouchUp wants to be your photo editing partner. They help you streamline your workflow to keep you doing what you do best, shooting, selling, or just enjoying life. Be sure and listen later in the show for how you can receive a special discount code from RetouchUp.com. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. So I was wearing a mask today. Okay. I took my, took my oldest daughter to the grocery store. And grocery stores are a little tense, but I was proud of my community. A lot of people wear Every single person in the store was wearing a mask when I was in. So that was cool. I had the same thing happen, by the way, at my grocery store. With all the stuff you're seeing online. And then I go to the grocery store, and everyone's wearing a mask, and no one has a problem. Yep, everything's fine. Well, I figure it's one of those situations where everybody raises a stink, and then two weeks later, it's fine. Right. You know what I mean? It's not that big. It'll be over if everybody just is cool. But um, anyway, so here's the problem about wearing a mask. I have my daughter with me. She's five. She has her own little mask. It's floral print. It's cute. So it's like, stay by me. Don't touch anything. You know, the whole nine yards. She's great. She's a trooper. She was helping me carry stuff. And she went to go do something that I didn't want. And so I went to use the dad voice. Right? You know, when you change the tone and it's the voice that says, stop what you're doing immediately. Mm-hmm. And I realized that because I was wearing a mask, the mask took kind of muffled the whip crack part of the dad voice and it didn't quite come across. And she normally stops dead and she just didn't because it didn't, the mask muffled that little part of the voice. That, so you the, know, mas- the masks are affecting your ability to pan it, uh, to parent yes. effectively, is what you Correct. Correct. Yes. The um, mask, I'm just, I'm just setting it a uh, little warning out there. Just be prepared going out in public with your kids. If you like to turn on the dad voice a little bit, the mask just dampens it a little bit. So be prepared right. to act. Your voice alone may not be enough to get the job done if it's muffled behind a mask. Just, just put it out there. Just right. letting you know, I'm pro. Let's take care of each other. I am just warning you, be prepared that you might have to actually like move your middle-aged dad body toward the child to stop it from doing something well thank god we still have the belt yes good good yeah (laughs) belt i got a slingshot (laughs) you know i read i read a thing years ago about the belt and uh, were you were you whipped as a kid uh well long story short mostly the open hand my dad used my dad used to uh, have several methods more switch-like than belts. So he never okay. hit me with a belt. Okay. I, I, I think I was spanked maybe once. And then I grew up in the Deep South, so like I was spanked at school. I wasn't spanked at home, but I was spanked at school. You know, they, there, was a, there was a paddle. Can you imagine that now, putting yeah. your hands on someone else's kid? <laughs> right. And um, But I read an interesting thing about it years ago that said that, you know, because, you know, when, when people started saying we shouldn't be spanking, there was a generation that said, I was spanked and I turned out fine. And they did said you, that- Did you, though? Did you really? Did you, though? <laughs> because you're advocating for corporal punishment against children. <laughs> did you? Did you really? Like, the, 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 the Louis C.K. bit was the- uh, where he said, why are your children the only ones you're legally allowed to hit? Like, they're the only person on earth you're legally allowed to hit. I don't yeah. understand that at all. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it was interesting. And it said that, that in the studies that they had done, um, and of course, it's maybe disproven now, but they said that it wasn't, 
the, the one of the reasons that spanking doesn't seem to have made everybody crazy in the past, and now it seems to be really traumatizing, is that in the past, everyone got spanked. They said that, that and this is, I just find this stuff fascinating, they said that the kids weren't as traumatized by being spanked because every single person they knew was spanked. Right. It was normal to be spanked, and so therefore, when you got spanked, it wasn't my parents are so mean. No, that was parents. All parents, <laughs> all right. parents were doing that, and that was just the way it was. And so it wasn't as traumatizing mentally to you uh, as it was years later when suddenly half the world stopped spanking. And if your parents were spanking you and, and your friends weren't getting spanked, now, well, my parents are evil. Well, you think about it, that could be anything because, for example, what did you do in school in the South before air conditioning? And now they wouldn't allow a, school, a classroom full of kids to go without air conditioning, <laughs> right, right. you know, because that would be cruel because the alternative exists. Now, right, the, there right. is an alternative that exists, a reasonable alternative. To, to there is a better way, and oh, so absolutely. that's the way that people do it now, you know? Yeah, I'm not certainly not advocating for spanking, but I did think that it was interesting because I wondered about that because people would always say, I was spanked, everybody was spanked when I was growing up, and it wasn't a problem. And I'm like, okay, you know, you're kind of right about that. You know, I, you're kind of right about that. It's, and why is that? And they say, well, it, because everyone was getting spanked. And when you think about it, that applies to so many things, not just the air conditioning thing, but it applies to... Uh, women and and the advances that women have made and how it used to be, you know, women all stayed at home with the kids and didn't work and they were perfectly fine with that because everyone did it. And then once women started realizing, oh, you know, I can go out and do other things, suddenly there was a shift and it became, what? Why why should I stay home? This is, I don't have to do this. I can do do other things. You know, and so many things work that way. Yes, and that is, a. I mean, again, it's a terrible, terrible argument. (laughs) <laughs> to make that because oh, we know better now, we know more now. Yeah. We live in a we live in a different world now. But there are people who would I, I I do know a guy who really honestly believes still today, and not an old guy who you know believes that society is falling apart because women work. Really, yes. I thought you were gonna say I, I thought you were gonna say he really believes that your kids need to be spanked. But no, he thinks because women work. I know I live in the South still, man. I have lots of friends who believe that spanking is the only way to rear a child. And here's my argument to that is, although I have definitely wanted to throttle my children many times, uh, I've got to ask myself this question. At what point does my two-year-old have me painted into such a corner intellectually (laughs) and into such a situation that my only recourse is to hit them? Yeah. Like, I don't understand it. And then just the, the, the border of like, most of the time when I've had the inclination to hit my kids, it's because I've been angry. And I, knowing myself, I'm not the type of parent that's going to hit my kid when I'm calm. So why am I going to hit them when I'm angry? Right. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to hit them either way. And now my five-year-old, if I have a five-year-old who is, you know, let's say neurotypical, intelligent five-year-old who has been raised and instructed if your kid gets to five or six year old and you're still having to like pull them into another room and spank them, you're a bad parent. Like you just are a bad parent. Like if a a a, 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 a clever neurotypical five or six year old shouldn't need to get hit at that point. They should be able to. You should be able to talk them off that. I'm going to throw a tantrum ledge or even let them throw a tantrum. Like does like why are they? Why do you have to hit them? And and I'm sure that there are. Dozens of people listening who would disagree, and that's cool. You can hit your kids all you want. Don't hit my kids. I won't hit my kids. My kids are fine. But like, 
we know that you don't have to do that anymore. Like we know that we know that babies can communicate because in the 80s, some people started to try and teach babies sign language and they learned it. You know, I have a 10 month old that can tell me when she's hungry, that can tell me when she's thirsty, that can tell me when she's tired. And, and she does it with her hands because she doesn't have the palate to be able to do it. We know so much that we didn't know about ourselves and about rearing children. What do you got to hit a kid for? I mean, sometimes you want to pop them in the mouth, just a little smack in the mouth. (laughs) Just if they give you a little too much. I've done once. I, one time, (laughs) uh, my youngest daughter, one time, and it wasn't, but it wasn't like when I was a kid, it was like, well, okay, it's time for the spanking. And you, you know, my, my wife grew up in a house where like there was a tally throughout the week. And then on Sunday, everyone lined up for the licks that they were going to get for all the stuff they did. But this is the kind of regimented discipline. Wow. Yeah. That's that old had. school. Yeah. I didn't have that, of course. And then one time I, I popped my youngest on the behind, uh, not hard, really, but just one time because it had gotten so far and she had been so defiant for so long. It was two o'clock in the morning and I had done everything there was I could think of. And she would, she had, she was in the wizard state, and it was the only way I could see to break the cycle, and it worked instantly. Did you try waterboarding? She, she stopped. We got close to the waterboarding, but yeah, at, at that close. point, at that point, she had no toys in her room because I had pulled everything out one by one as punishment for the fact that she wouldn't go to bed. And she, and there was, I, there was, I couldn't get through to her on any way, shape, or form that she was incurring more and more punishment because of her behavior. And Did she you take a hammer to her, her favorite toys in front of her and smash yeah, them? No, on the I didn't. I didn't oh yeah, that. I'll get down like that. I do not care. <laughs> and finally, and finally, I just gave her a little. I gave her a little, just not, not hard, just a little pop pop, and she stopped instantly. And she goes, "You hit me," <laughs> and I said, "Yes," because you are not listening to what I'm saying. You must get in that bed, and she did, and she went to sleep. And I still, to this day, feel horrible about it. Yeah. But at the same time, it worked. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't work. You know, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying yeah. that, like, yeah, you know, you can also build a house without power tools if you really want to, you right. know. But, like, some <laughs> – but whatever, man. Like, do your thing within the bounds of the law. I just don't – I just don't dig it. Because let me tell you something about kids. If you have a seven, eight-year-old kid and you're spanking them – I promise you this, they're probably faking that it hurts by that point. Like they like yeah, by the right. time I was seven and I got spanked probably every day for about two or three years. I would say most days I got a spanking because I was, you know, a wild kid. But see, the spanking wasn't working. I was just getting hit a lot. But at that point, I just became used to getting hit and I would just cry because right. I was used to crying. It, was, it became, the, the syntax of it just became, this is the program. Dad comes home from work. Big sister tattles on something that I did. I get a spanking. And then once it's over, I go out and play, you know? But after a while, when my dad remarried, my stepmom, smart woman, she figured really quickly, Gary does not give a crap about being spanked. <laughs> no. So no. she would she would do no. the worst. She would go, Gary is not allowed to play outside. Gary's. Right, right. Well, most kids will tell you, if given a choice, do you want a spanking or do you want to be grounded for a week? They'll take the spanking every time. My older brother would be grounded for a month before he would take a spanking. Well, see, that would have been me because I was such a huge wimp. There was just no way I was going to endure any physical pain. My brother would be like, I get to stay inside <laughs> yeah. for a whole month? Yay. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, taking your kids for physical pain, this yeah. morning I took uh, Samantha to the DMV. And she passed her driver's test. Oh, boy. Yeah, so we have a driver in the... Uh, and let me tell you what a nightmare that was. Not so much the DMV, but the week-long or two-week-long build-up to going to the DMV. 
and my daughter's total mental breakdown of anxiety that she might fail this test. You forget what it's like when you're going to take your driver's test. I mean, she's just, she was just, I, she, the SATs do not put as much pressure on her as this test did. Well, this is the key to her whole social universe. Right. And, and also because of, of COVID right now, if you fail it and you have to retake it, it's like three months before you can get in. Right. So it's a huge setback. Now you're going into school. You're starting school and you can't and you can't drive. The, and she's, so, she's a clever girl. The only thing that would ruin it for her is nerves. You know, if she if she wouldn't pass the test, it'd be because she was nervous. Like well, she's, yeah. Well, a little trouble with the parking. Yeah. Well, who, who doesn't? <laughs> she took she took, the, she took the test at school and she passed everything. And at the very end, backing out, she just touched the cone. And the guy was like, I have to fail you. If you touch one of the cones, I have to fail. It was the only thing she failed. And then so, and so today we had practiced it relentlessly. And then we got there early because we were the first ones. We got there early and they had the cones set up in the parking lot where you have to park. So I'm like, there you go. Just keep parking. Just park in, pull out, park in, pull out, park in, pull out. And so when the guy finally came out to give her the test, he was like, yeah, I saw you out here practicing. So you don't have to do the parking. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I mean, she had, he made a park when she came back in the parking lot. He had to park into an actual parking space between two cars. Which I think is easier than parking between cones, to be honest, because you're not yeah. gonna, you're, you're less likely to hit a car than you are an orange cone. Okay, and how did you do on the back end parking portion of the test? They didn't make her back end park. Yeah, that's right. That's why, because it's stupid. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> what was shocking though was see was that in Hillsborough County they don't get in the car and ride around with you right now. They've got the restrictions down, so they make you take the test. So you drive around this parking lot and they watch you, they observe, and they and they're talking to you on the phone. And she thought that that's what it was going to be. But we went to Pasco County up the road for the test. And so when he comes out, he's like, okay, he says to me, okay, you can hop out of the car. And I hop out of the car and he gets in. My my, my daughter's eyes are like, what? I didn't realize he was going to be, you know, riding with me. And so then off they go for 25 minutes. of, And she almost failed too. You know why? She lost about 23 points for failure to use her signal. She didn't use her turn signal, I don't think, the whole time she was out there. Rookie mistake, man. Yeah, rookie mistake. Did she take it in your car? No, 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 no. My giant monster truck? No. My dog, my wife's little roller skate car. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah well, hey, yeah. congratulations, Sam, in case your dad's forcing you to listen to this in the car. Oh, that's not going to happen anymore. You no. have your own driver's license. That's so you, right. So yeah. you yeah. And once it. again, DMV, a joy to visit. I'm telling you, man, they've did, at least in Orange County, and I guess out by you, they have got the system yeah, down. Yeah, a, gener- a generation of comedians have lost what has been a classic sense of comedy in the, the hellish planetscape that is the DMV, because it just isn't anymore. You get your little tag, they call your number, you go up, they take care of you. We were there for an hour and a half. She did her thing. And I was, while I was there, was like, hey, you know what? I need to uh, get my new, my new address on my license since I've lived at this address for five years and still have my home one. You're supposed to do that in the first 10 days. Yeah. And so, yeah. Mm. So I did that while I was there, too, because we just happened to have the documents we needed. So we were there an hour and a half. She got her driver's license, and I renewed my license with my new thing, got my picture and everything, in an hour and a half. That's yeah. great. Well, yeah. uh, you know, the DMV is like the bell curve for miserable experiences. Yes. And now it's that and the dentist. Like, literally, there are two, they're, they're two things that, and I think now maybe the new bell curve for this generation is going to be having to go physically to the cell phone store. That will be the new miserable experience <laughs> that's got to be it because well like, let's 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 spitball that for a second is, let's think it through is there is there a place other than the cell phone store is there a place that's worse than the because it used to be you're right it was the dmv 
that was that was a high watermark for the worst experience you could have in terms of any sort of a retail experience. And now I would say cell phone store. Is there anything else we can think of? All right. So let's think about it this way. In terms of, let's say, causes of death in the world, right? right. The, the number one cause of death like 150 years ago was tuberculosis, right? right. Now that's totally under control. In fact, we've eliminated as a society the first 25 causes of death in the last 150 years to where heart disease wasn't even in the top 100 or top 50. And now it's now, like- you didn't live, you didn't you didn't live long enough to have heart disease. Right, yeah, exactly. And so let's look in terms of that way. As a society, technology is eliminating all these unpleasant experiences. Going to the grocery store, you don't have to do that anymore. You know, going clothes shopping, you know, you're, you don't even have to do that. You can just open up Amazon, put the things you want in your cart, and your mom can approve it and buy it for you, if even buying school clothes, like whatever you want. Like your any experience. Here's the one that still sucks. The airport has now moved to the top. The airport is still largely pretty crappy. The only thing, the only major innovation in airport technology that's made life easier for some people is the airlines that choose to have pre-boarding or pre-booking online, pre-check-in, and then the uh you know the having your boarding pass on your phone and that's only slightly more convenient than printing out a boarding pass from a kiosk but it's still miserable they have yeah not- yeah 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 i agree yeah when i was i was about to say no it's not so bad it's not so bad but it's still worse than it used to be if you are a single traveler with no luggage to check and you are pretty good about being punctual and there's no major delays the airport and you have pre-check or or global entry, the airport is better than it's ever been. If you are anything else, the airport's still just as bad as it was in 1980. It's the same crap, like, as ever. Well, you know, I've, I've said this, that I would absolutely fly an airline that required everyone to check, check all their luggage. Yeah? Because I think that the whole overhead bin and the luggage in and out and, the, and everyone carrying a, a refrigerator onto the damn plane yes. is one of the biggest problems with air travel. And if everyone was required to check, I mean, literally, it's like it adds 10 minutes to your trip to go down to the dang thing and pull it off the, off the belt. It's and, no. But, yet, but if nobody, but if nobody, but nobody checks anymore, and so it's always, oh, we've run out of overhead space, so now we've got everyone's got to check at the window or check at the gate, or people are carrying too much stuff, and it's trying to get off the plane. People, you know, if everyone just got on the plane, sat down, and got off the plane, and then did all the luggage stuff outside of the plane, it'd be a much more pleasant experience. Certainly, if there were, if there were more of that, and yeah. but I tra- we travel as a family of five with three car seats. So like, there's just no there's and and the car. Well, seats. yeah, you're pulling a lot of stuff off the thing, but I but I will travel. I'll travel with one bag. I'll travel with one bag sometimes, and I'll just check it. I'll be like, you know what? I could take this in the overhead, but I'm just going to check it. It's easier when you're in the in the airport when you're walking around. You want to go get a bite to eat. It's just not having to manage this bag with you all the time. Yeah, here's the funny part because you see people they have a personal item, and now people have these ridiculously large backpacks full of stuff. And I'm a backpack user for my personal item too. But in the backpack, here are the things that you typically use. Most people don't use a laptop on a plane, although some do. For the most part, it's your phone or an iPad, a set of headphones, a neck pillow, but pretty much nothing you actually have to have a whole bag to bring with you. I always wonder, like, what else is in the bag that is the size of, like, uh, uh, a watermelon, a good watermelon? Yeah, the personal item has gotten out of hand. It used to be the personal item was like a, a briefcase. Or something small like that, or a bag, a woman's bag. And now the personal item is literally like a, a duffel bag that they would use in World War II to, you know, a soldier would carry his entire <laughs> world in. That's my personal item. And here's my carry on. 
<laughs> I've got these yeah. two things here. That's like uh, it's like we're a bunch of a bunch of high school graduates backpacking Europe for the summer. That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, that's a personal item. And then of course they also have the carry-on, and which is get- which is larger than a carry-on is supposed to be. Yeah, and and seats have gotten smaller, and they've packed more seats onto planes. They've taken feature after feature. Air travel is technology hasn't helped it be better. It's actually the same or worse in most ways than it used to be. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I don't particularly like the cattle car boarding. You know, I fly Southwest all the time. I hate that. It, it's I don't, so I, awkward. I, you know, I, I just, knowing that I have a seat on the plane, I can get on when I want to, and my seat will be there. It's nicer than having to stand in line. And But that's the secret to Southwest's entire success is the cattle car boarding. They they turn around at the gate faster than anybody else because of that, because they have enlisted us to want to get on the plane in a hurry. Right. That's And so, yeah, and so that's, that's why they- But unless you're in that, you know, that A group, man, you know you're going to be sitting between like two fat dudes. You're just, that, that's <laughs> it. Because the, lo- the longer you get on the plane, the, to get on the plane, the worse your situation is. You know, so I I do this all the time is I will just go get with B and then when it's a really busy flight or A and I'll just stand at the back of A if even if my boarding is E and I'll just walk right up and I'll just hand it to him and be like and they'll look at me and be like, You're in E, I'll look at him and you just don't say anything and they'll just roll their eyes and wave you through. Like they don't like they've there are a hundred people behind me waiting to get on the plane. They don't have time. They they're in a hurry. Just go, right. just get on the plane. Like it's a, they're not going to mess with you. Or I use my camera gear always. And they all, if you, if you get to the airport early and I have my Pelican case with me, my 1510, I will get early and I will go to the, go to the desk and I'll say, Hey, listen, I'm in boarding group E here. Um, but I've got this case that I'm worried I won't have enough room on the plane for it. And it's very expensive. I said, so I would just love to be able to go Stick it in the overhead bin. I don't really care where, as long as I can grab it on the way out. And they go, oh, no problem. Just board with B. I'll be like, okay. They do it all the time. You are an evil person. You are an evil. You are responsible for the breakdown of society. Yeah, I would. I will take that. I'll be Randall Flagg. I'll be the man in black. Take it. You just, you just break, do you just break line at Disney World while you're at it? No, God, no. That's sacred. No. And well, plus, I don't get <laughs> on rides. I don't do rides. I don't lines at Disney World. I only do fast passes. Like, that's okay. it. I'm just it. saying, I'm just saying, you you know, you board, you you line up in an orderly fashion, you queue by number. You yeah. don't jump the line. You don't it's jump the line. Because I'm English and queuing is the British national pastime. Yeah. And and I, yeah, no, I'm fine with queuing, but I also, you know, I'm not going to cut in front of somebody. I p- ask for permission and I will go, excuse you me. Didn't, this you is- didn't ask the people behind you for permission. They hey look what mama don't know don't hurt her that's all I'm saying they don't know I just pay the money I just get there early and pay for the upgrade right there the thing they usually get you in the like the first twenty people yeah well you know I do it based on the flight of the, of the flight length if it's like a forty five minute flight it don't matter I can sit between the two big guys yeah but if it's like if I'm going to like Las Vegas and it's oh, three yeah. and a half hours in the air I'll pay a hundred bucks all day to be able to sit in the in the uh, exit row or the front bulkhead where I'm going to have a lot of leg room you know so it's worth a hundred dollars the whole ticket only cost me two fifty yeah okay so what is the length of the flight to where you'll pay to upgrade what's the, like two more than two hours three hours about two hours about two maybe hours. two yeah two hours if it's over two hours it's worth what does that break down to then, you know, uh, $25 an hour to have a better seat? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it really, really does depend. If it's an international flight, though, those upgrades oh, can get expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't you want to be that guy who gets to fly first class to Europe? Yeah. But I feel like most of those people are points people or like they have a, a SkyMiles credit card or something that they're, you know what I mean? I can't, because if, if you look at the prices to upgrade, 
It's like right. three thousand dollars to if you just bought right. it. Right. On a five six hundred dollar flight, sometimes. So nobody is paying that, you know, unless you've either got so much money, you got way more money than cents, or you do the sky miles, or you're on a company thing. Like you know, when we fly for PPA, you know how many flights PPA pays for through their travel right. thing right. on their Delta right. Sky Miles card, like that. Like they must put three million miles a year, so they just can upgrade. Whatever anybody flies. Yeah, how do you get those them. upgrades, by the way? Because when I, I fly for PPA, I'm always just flying coach. You think that? Uh, you no, think they don't let us. Somewhere... No, that's that's all for the president when he. Flies. I was going to say when the president yeah. does his thing or whatever that it's like, oh, you got to go to China. Well, it's going to be first class because I mean, I mean, they got the miles. It didn't cost anything. Well, to be fair, as a loyal member of the PPA, do you want the president of our association, who is flying abroad to represent us to another nation, another organization of photographers. Do you want that guy flying in the back of the plane by the toilet? Or do you want him flying in the front of the plane by the toilet? I think it depends on the president. <laughs> uh, we, we've known some. We, we've known some good ones. We've known some, that, we've known some that I'd prefer to be, you know, in luggage. Yeah, okay. Fair, fair. <laughs> no, listen. I, no, like I said, I'm sure that you're right. They have so many miles that I would hope that they would use those miles for that. I would, you know, if I'm just thinking that's why I can't imagine people paying three, four grand for an upgrade for a, for right, a flight. Right. I, I agree with you. I think most everyone that you see riding up front is they're not, they didn't actually shell out any money for it. It's all because of miles. But you got to spend so much money with them or on a credit card or whatever. Like, and how many different points, like, reward systems are there on one airline it's like and now we're going to board our gold sapphire members right and then our super plus plus members and now our super duper sapphire diamond double triple diamond and quadruple diamond members can now board and members of the military and our quintuple platinum members can now board the plane and you're like um i don't know they must have a lot of credit cards but i feel like those people are just spending paying all of their bills with a delta card or whatever yeah and, and you just, know i don't really th- i still don't think it's worth it I people, don't. I, people say, "Oh, it's really worth, it's worth it because I get the miles and then I can get the upgrade." But if you look at it and you're like, "How much does? How many? How many miles? Is it, how much money do you have to put on that credit card to get that upgrade? And what's the value of that upgrade?" I did that math. Of course, I did that math. And then I compared it. <laughs> and then I compared it to Wait simply, a yeah, to simply having all of my my all of that stuff go to my Amazon upgrade thing. And I was like, "No, it just it works." But I have two thousand dollars right now in credit in my Amazon account because. My Amexes are all tied to it, and every time I spend any money on anything, I use my Amex, and so it goes to Amazon. So I have so every year Christmas is free, and it's like, yeah, I could be getting the miles and upgrading my flights, but then I'm tied into having that's my upgrade. That's my upgrade for using credit card. That's my thing as I get the flight. Or over here, my thing could be anything that Amazon sells. You know, which is and I'm everything. like, I, I like the versatility of knowing of being able to use my my buying power to purchase anything I want with it, as opposed to having to use it on a Delta flight that's not a blackout date <laughs> within these. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, we, we've we, you know how much I travel and, I, you know, typically not right now, but, you know, typically my I travel, my family travels. We do quite a lot of traveling and we have looked into all of the reward point systems and sticking with one airline because that's the advice you get. Pick one airline and just use them and get one of their credit cards or whatever. And we Julie is so good at finding deals on flights and we've done the math. It's like it, we have saved so much money by just not having being loyal to an air. If you add up the money we've saved on flights and then the benefit that we'd have gotten from being part of a program and having to pay extra for those flights just to stick with one airline versus the points that right, you get in rewards. Right, right, like, right. 
it's either a wash or we're doing better. Like it's very close to even, but we're still saving money doing it the other way. It's just you would get some of the perks like riding up front with the with the president of something. <laughs> All right. Today is a very big uh, day in the news. So are it you ready? Big. We're All ready. Right. It's time for photography news. Photography, photography news. news. Photography news, as always, brought to you by the good folks at retouchup.com. I just got a package in, uh, some senior portraits that I did for a school. They just arrived today, in fact. Opened them up, checked them out. They look fantastic. They look beautiful from my lab. But all of the retouching done by retouchup.com. And what did you do with your free time while those were being retouched by someone else? I researched uh, I researched what was better to have a credit card that was miles or to have a credit card that was tied to my Amazon account. So not only did you save a bunch of time, that you saved a bunch of money in the research you accomplished in that's that time right. by using retouchup.com. That's right. That's actually a lie. What I did was I watched um, season three of The Expanse. Oh, okay, good. So you're That's finally watching The Expanse. So <laughs> I am re- watching The Expanse. So yes. retouchup.com has finally freed you up to watch this show that I've been yes. trying to get you to watch for like four or five years. And now yes. you watch it because of retouchup.com. Yes, yes. It, it absolutely has freed up time for me. I fought, I fought it, Gary. I fought it when you started doing it. I fought it. And I was like, no, no. And then they got me because it just was so, it was just so easy and so inexpensive that I just couldn't, I couldn't justify it anymore. Right. I well, could. it's about making decisions as a business owner and, as, and not as an artist. You know what I mean? It's like we want to hold on the control to our art so tightly and that right. that we can we can artist ourselves out of a profit if we're not careful. And yes. so I really do believe that you can find a place for outsourcing like this in your business. Like, for example, let's say you want to do the final hand retouching on your own for whatever the client orders. But for photographers who do all this retouching just on the proofs, just to show the proofs to the client in an in-person sales session, you could outsource the proof retouching and let that be your sort of like get it up to presentation level for a sales session. And then when the client orders something, if you want to do that yourself, I mean, there's a way to fit this in where you will save money, time, and actually become a an entrepreneur who sells photography rather than an, an artist who's struggling to make a living. Retouchup.com is the key. Go to retouchup.com, sign up for a new account. And when it asks you how you heard about them, be sure and put Photobomb Podcast so that they know you came from us. Then that would be good because then they'll keep sponsoring us. Yes, that would be lovely. We would love that. All right. So what's the big photography news? I mean, I know what the big photography news is, but I have purposely stayed away from this today. I was at the DMV and you were texting it to me. Yeah. And I purposely stayed away from it because I wanted to, to get it fresh from you, somebody who was neck deep in it this morning. Well, first of all, before we start the photography news, I don't, um, we're not, we're going to lead with the big story, guys, I promise. But I do want to say we've gotten a, uh, in, in per, a little bit of personal photography news. One of our listeners, Don Chambly, wrote to us to let us know that he just passed his certified professional photographer exam and the image submission. So now he is officially a certified professional photographer. So shout out to you, Don. Way to hey, stick. Hey, congratulations. Way to stick with it, man. Good job. We appreciate you listening for so many years and uh, are proud of you. And your accomplishments. Now, moving forward. By the way, don't like message in every good thing that happens to you. You know, you got to put in, Don's put in a lot of years <laughs> listening to this show. So, I mean, if you want us to say happy birthday to your wife or something, you have to be at least a two, three year listener. Right, right, right. No, I, I would say, I would say that if you get your CPP or you get like your master's or your master artist or your master wedding, 
that, uh, yeah, I would, that we would though, we'd give you a shout out on the show for that, wouldn't we? Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, we would. We, but yeah, I'm not, no. but not because it's your birthday. No. No. Although, happy birthday for those of you whose birthday it is. Yeah, it's, yeah happy birthday to you. We'll say it once and, and for all That's time. It. Happy birthday, everyone, ever. My birthday was two days ago. We didn't even mention that. So we're not going to be talking about, <laughs> we're not gonna be talking about your birthday. Yes. Well, it's, you know, we don't want to acknowledge your slow, creeping, inevitable yes. demise, your deterioration, both yeah. physically and mentally. There's, you know, there's not much glory in that. I thought we'd kind of gloss it over. I'm surprised you brought it up, actually. Not nearly as slow as I would like it to be. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I can't stop the clock. Anyhow, no. so the big news today was I got up this morning. And I uh, took my daughters out to get donuts. We did the Krispy Kreme drive through because today was Canon Virtual Press Release Announcement Day. It was a virtual product launch for, among other things, the Canon R5, the Canon R6. They got a new uh, Image ProGraph 300 printer, some lenses, uh, da, 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 a bunch of other stuff, <laughs> whatever. Canon- yes, wait, let's talk about the printer, yeah. Gary. <laughs> By all means, let's talk about the printer. What? There's a new printer? Yes. Oh, yes. It is a 13-inch. So we're gonna, I got a lot of notes on this printer. <laughs> it's Image ProGraph 300. It's 13-inch wide format printer. It's, uh, it's no, no, who cares? Uh, what we're getting, although, no, one, no uh, one cares. Although I am excited that they have a printer that size. And for those of you looking to do like WPPI competition, this would be like the perfect competition print size printer and it's actually got some really cool tech in it so i'm not knocking it. it's a really really cool printer and and the software upgrade they've just made to the new to the canon printing software is pretty righteous and i actually haven't even cracked my image prograph 2100 that's right here behind me in the office and uh, i can't wait to get into it so i am excited about printers just not as excited as i am about the r5 and the r6 i will go out and say just let's skip to the point I already pre-ordered my R5. I pulled the trigger on the R5. It's 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 shipping on July 30th, and who knows? I should have it uh, the first few days in August. I hope. I ordered it pretty quick. Like you know, I started watching the product launch, and it was like blah 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 blah. And I just kept in the other window, just refreshing Adorama's page. <laughs> and as soon as it came up, it was like click click click, and it was ordered. It was done. Wow, wow. That I mean, you that's that's like fanboy obsessive must have it right away well here's the here's the thing like i could always return it like ah ah i don't yeah. believe i don't believe i'm much going like to much it. like skipping the line when you're getting on a plane look if i'm not satisfied with the product i have the right to return it damn you <laughs> i do I'm, really, I'm looking forward to your in-depth in-depth overview and review of this camera when you get it but but let's talk about what we learned today that we have we, what did we learn today that we haven't already learned about this camera pretty much nothing that's the thing like there was the, the, the can we've been I'm in so on top of canon rooms it's almost like when a movie like one of the new Star Wars movies is coming out and you're obsessively online looking for details about it and then you see the movie and you pretty much know everything that's going to happen so it wasn't delightful in that I got to find anything out there's so many leaks pretty much every spec of this camera had been leaked I didn't see anything new that was like wow but what I did get to see and for those of us that watched it I was also watching the simultaneously broadcast Canon Europe stream, which actually was kind of cool. It was the Canon Europe, Canon's European ambassadors, and it was still all in English. And they did a totally different kind of feeling presentation. Whereas the 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 U.S. one was they did like these picture in pictures, almost Zoom chats with different Canon explorers of light, and then they would play clips of them. And although that was really cool, they had a lot more like fireside chat kind of a feel with the Canon Europe side, and so. 
and there was one uh, nature photographer whose name was something German I can't remember, and it actually showed him, <laughs> actually showed him out in the field. <laughs> Name of the deceased, something Polish. Something Polish. I don't know. It, it was, It was. look, it's my fault for not remembering it, but whatever. He was awesome. And it showed a live view of the R5 uh, tracking. It now has like bird, cat, and dog detection. So you can actually set it to animal autofocus. And it was tracking the eye of an eagle as it was flying at full speed. It was pretty righteous. Wow. And so it's got between five and eight stops of in-body image stabilization that will also work in conjunction with lens stabilization. One of the coolest things I learned today was that in-body image stabilization favors stabilizing wider lenses and lens-based stabilization favors stabilizing longer telephoto lenses. Ah, see, there you go. I didn't know that. And those two things working in conjunction with each other actually give you a much better stabilization from front to back. And that's what these systems do is why Canon didn't quit on the lens-based stabilization. They just developed that to work in conjunction with the in-body stabilization. So I have no, I can't wait to get my hands on it to see how great it is, but it looks pretty spectacular. I was pleased enough with it that um, I went with the R5. There were a couple of things with the R6 that I didn't purchase it. Ultimately, I think I will get one. I'm going to sell off a couple of older cameras that I've got and uh, probably end up getting an R6 as well. But because I'm working on a learn to print project right now, I'm basically creating a series of YouTube videos about my process of learning how to print because um, I don't really know how to do it myself. I've always just used a lab. And so I really wanted that 45 megapixels of resolution to make massive prints with to be able to see you know, to see that come to life in print. And that was really what, that was really what that pushed over the edge for me. So, uh, yeah, super excited. I think both cameras looked fantastic. Um, they did really push that the R6 was really more for, they said it, uh, they said it more than a few times that it's for advanced enthusiasts and, you know, advanced amateurs and advanced enthusiasts. They definitely didn't say that the R6 is a pro level camera. And I think hmm. maybe they were just reinforcing the message that, pros should have the R5 and it kind of got that's me. interesting that's interesting but that's interesting because traditionally all single digit cameras from Canon are pro cameras and the prothusiast cameras are the double digit cameras like the 60D the in the, 70D, in the, the US 80D. yeah in the US that's yeah. the way they're numbered but that's the thing is I've been a five series camera shooter for so long and it was there's this thing in my head as I was doing the shopping uh, looking on the cart and I was like, do I want to show up to a conference or do I want to, you know, be at a wedding or wherever? And am I, am I, have I downgraded? Am I a 6D shooter now instead of a 5D shooter now? And I was like, no. Nobody knows. Nobody cares about that stuff but you and me and other photographers. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, it, I'm not saying that is why I got the R5 because I will have both cameras. But, and here's the other factor too. Initially, the rumors were saying that the R6 was going to ship first. And it turns out that it was the other way around. So you're not going to okay. get the, be able to get the R6 until probably almost September. And so I will have the R5 in hand, be able to test it, play with it, review it. And if I love it, I'm obviously going to keep it. Um, if I'm not so thrilled with it or it's causing me any problems, then I will probably return it within the return window and then wait for the R6. And what I'll probably do is once I've sold a couple of other backup cameras, I'll probably just get the R6 as well. As long okay. as the R5 is still pretty kick butt. I, you know, what were the uh, final price points? What were the price points? R5 is 3899 US. 
$3,900. Just under that $4,000 mark. Uh, okay. And the R6 is $2,499 body only. Yeah. $2,500 versus $3,900. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a $1,400 difference. Yeah, about what, about what the rumors said they were going to be, yeah. So 70% more, maybe. Somewhere I, I, along there. You're, you're the math guy, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. That's a substantial jump between those two cameras. Mm-hmm. And, and there has to be a substantial jump, or otherwise everyone would just get the R5. Correct. I hmm. think that if you are looking for the main thing that, and they had like Peter McKinnon and a couple of other like influencer type photographers who do a lot of video. And the R5, the big thing they kept saying about was to be able to shoot in 120 frames per second in 4K, which is huge, which the R6 cannot do. R6, okay. uh, and the R6 can only do 60 frames per second. And that ability to play that back and do really clean, beautiful slow mo and even down res that from 8K to 4K or whatever, like, or, uh, you know, to have that from 4K is just, is just spectacular for if you're a video person and the stabilization for the video, because uh, most of these video people that are doing, uh, influencer stuff are relatively wide lenses. You're not filming your vlogs and stuff with a 70 to 200. Right. You know, you're using a 16 to 35 or a or fixed 35 or a 24 or, or maybe a 24 to 105, something like that. But since that in-body image stabilization is more conducive to those wide lenses, I think that the video people are really going to like that. So the, I mean, the R5 is going to be not only a great stills camera, but for people who want a more serious video production camera that they can handhold. That's what they kept saying is like they kept showing footage of the R5 with the with these influencers getting incredibly smooth footage while handholding. They'd show you taking the footage and then they'd show the footage. So like not having to have a whole gimbal or a rig or a slider. Right. You, with that stabilization, you could do an incredible amount of stuff. So you might also have your cinema cameras for which have active cooling for filming long periods of time, but you might want something like an R5 to be able to just run and gun and get different shots without having to set up a whole rig around it. It was pretty, pretty darn impressive. Well, I'm going to be holding out to see what the R6 is going to do, I think, because, well, especially right now, I'm not hardly shooting anything. So I'm not, I'm not in a hurry, but uh, I'm really curious to see what the image quality of the R6 is going to be with that smaller sensor. Are we going to get, a better dynamic range or a better low light performance because we are using 20 megapixels instead of you know, 45 or whatever. Well, DP reviewed already has already started posting stuff because they had one, I think that they've been a pre-production model they've been playing with. So ah. within the next week or two, there's going to every single review site, uh, DP review, DXO mark, everybody's going to get their hands on this thing and be releasing these types of numbers for the people that are like you that are really into it. I'm not so sold on the idea that the 20 megapixel will have a much better dynamic range. Uh, I'm not really sure if that's accurate. But what I did see was they had Roberto Valenzuela on the uh, broadcast. And one of the things they purposely did was he printed out like a a 50 inch by 30 inch print from his photographs with the R6. And he was sitting in front of it. And he's like, he said, I was concerned about the, I know these are all Canon explorers of light and Canon ambassadors, all people who Canon pays. So I'm not an idiot. <laughs> right, but it was right. Like, but it was interesting how they chose to address that in that broadcast because they knew that the 20 megapixels were what people were worried about. And so they, you know, uh, he printed up this massive print that he was sitting in front of. He's like, you can see every detail and everything. He's like, the quality of this image sensor is great. And it is, in fact, the same base sensor and the same pro- Digic X processor 
as uh, the One DX Mark III, their their flagship camera. So even right. if it's not the amount of of megapixels that you want, as far as having that high megapixel camera. Uh, it's it still takes incredible incredible photos. So I'm pretty stoked about both, and I will. Well, I can tell you're stoked. You were clicking on the thing before you. Oh, it's done sold. So we're late to announce today. I'm buying it. Yeah, I, I asked myself, <laughs> are you buying one of these? The answer is yes. You know, yeah. so it's like, okay, which one do you really want? I go, I really want the R5. Can you know? And and interestingly enough, and this is not an Adorama commercial at all, but they just started offering recently a credit card called the Adorama Edge. And it's actually pretty cool. Anything you purchase over $800 is 12 months special financing, which is basically 12 equal payments with zero interest. And so you can buy something and, and pay for it that way. And Or they also have 5% off any purchase. So you could cut, you get to choose which one, and it's all built in. If you're logged into Adorama, you can just click put this on my card or whatever. I do not recommend that you buy something on credit that you do not have the money to purchase with cash. I do not recommend that at all. If you can't afford a camera, do not buy a camera. Stick with what you've got. Make some more money with the camera that you've got. That's not what I'm saying. I can afford to buy this camera, but right now if I can you know, not lay out $4,000 in cash and become $4,000 less liquid and I can pay for it in equal payments with zero interest over the next 12 months, why would you, why would you not sure. do that? Yeah, like, so not. anyway, just just as an aside, if you've got good credit and you've got the money and you want to give yourself a little breathing room, you do have that option. And it took 30 seconds to apply and get the card. And it's then it's automatically built into your account when you go to check out and pay. And that's just I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So and I figured I'll buy the lenses, any lenses and accessories from my local camera store because I always like to support them because they're awesome, too. There was another camera that I read about today in the news and was excited and then immediately crestfallen to read about this camera because I talked about someone needs to do this and now someone is doing oh, it. Oh, this called is a the, story where you became vindicated because of your vision, your visionary. Yes, it's called the Pixie, right? It's called the Pixie and it's, it's available for pre-order. This is a rangefinder camera, about the size of my Fuji X100F. Rangefinder camera. It has no view screen on it, so you can't preview pictures. Mm -hmm. It does not accept any cards whatsoever it has either a four megabyte or an eight megabyte uh, uh built-in hard drive gigabyte and right? not megabyte i'm sorry gigabyte hard okay. drive <laughs> four or eight and a 12 megabyte sensor aps-c and it must be connected to your phone in order to work for you and i've made this prediction i said you know we, when are we going to reach the point where you just buy a camera and the camera is really just the lens and the sensor and your phone is the computer that runs the camera. If I if I had the uh, patience and gave a crap enough, I would go back to the episode where we've mentioned this, and I would play that clip right now. But I'm <laughs> but not, not there. I, yeah, I'm not doing it. No, it's not there. <laughs> because my the idea being that the phone is so powerful now that we already are walking around with a controller in our hand, a computer in our hand that can do all this amazing photography stuff, why do we need to buy another computer for the, for the camera? Why can't we just hook it to the phone? Either, either jack the phone into it or do it through some sort of a transfer. What most people really want to do is get the pictures onto their phone anyway. Right, and then you want them on your phone anyway. So I'm like, this is fair. They're finally doing it. They're finally doing it. They're realizing the vision. And then I saw the price. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wait for it. $3,000. Hell no. Hard pass. $3,000 for a camera with no LCD screen, no cards, no lens, really. Um, 
a 12 megabyte sensor? What? Why is it $3,000? I mean, it seems to me that this camera has less in it than any camera I've ever owned, and it costs more than any camera I've ever owned. Yeah, I would imagine that it's because it's it's new, it's niche, and, you know, cost can vary so often be about how big is the run of them. Like, if they had ramped up higher volume production, I, I doubt there are that many of these to be sold in the first place. It's probably, more than anything, it's a proof of concept. I can't imagine anyone buying it. Why? Why would you? Why would you buy it when you could literally go buy a Fuji X100V, which is a fantastic camera at the same size? Yeah, it's an well. This is an M mount camera, so you can change lenses. Whoop de doo! There's a million other M mount cameras that will do a job a hundred times better than this, and everything just Bluetooth and Wi-Fi straight to your phone. You know the guy that will buy this camera. We all know the guy. The guy who wears his cell phone on his belt. You know, who has a high-paying job. He's fifty-five. He he might be divorced. Maybe he was never married. Got a lot of spendable income. Really likes gear. Really likes to talk tech. But it's not even. But it's not even cool. Your camera. I mean, club usually, guy. usually, usually that guy is buying that camera that's weird in some way and expensive. And you go and he and he can and he can show it off. What are you gonna do? Look at this. Look at this camera here. Watch this. I push this button here, and the picture shows up in my phone. Yeah. So does every other camera. What that did you, buy you What did you just say? You said weird and expensive. This camera is both weird and expensive. It's it's weird in that it doesn't have any features. <laughs> And then a few years later at the camera club, when this when this type of camera has become more commonplace, when this is the next evolution of the modern digital camera, he's going to go, yeah, I actually own the first one, the first camera like this. It was called the such and such. It came out and it was manufactured and it only had a megapixels like that guy, you know. ISO, ISO starts at 320 and maxes out at a blazing 2500 ISO. Woo. Yeah. Woo. That, yeah. Well, For a mere $3,000, ladies and gentlemen. For those who have more money than cents. Although I just can't. It's yeah, a I cool concept. It. It's a next step on that evolution that you've talked about so many times. I mean, because, uh, you know, if they, if they made a camera like this and it was $500, you know, you could say. Oh, well, now we're talking. Yeah. And, it, and you could put some really cool and different lenses on it. 100%. And, and, you know, with companies like Raspberry Pi making your, a sensor that you could build your own camera with, something like this is is bound to bound to be made like I, the the industry or at least a certain niche part of the niche 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 certain small part of the industry a certain unique and small separate part of the industry is is heading towards this and this is just kind of a move on that way uh it's not for me it's not for you it might not be for anybody but it's a cool concept i think all right that's all i have what do you got anything else yeah i got a couple of interesting stories about the Photo has launched air x which allows professional strobes to be used with mobile devices so essentially it's going to be a free firmware update for like the b10 and a couple of a couple of their strobes right now and a free app so if you own Photo products and you have a smartphone you will be able to firmware update your lights and download this app, and you will be able to control the camera and fire the strobes with this. Now, we've seen things like this from Godox and Profoto with smaller versions of this, very underpowered, tiny little portable lights. This is actually controlling natively your very expensive, full-powered studio strobes. And if you and I posted an article on the Facebook page. Check that out, facebook.com slash photobombpodcast, where you can link to and see the photos that are coming off of this thing with, a, I think it was an iPhone. They're pretty impressive. Like, if you're doing studio stuff, imagine that potentially you could use your phone... And, and first of all, if you don't think that this functionality is going to come to Godox and every other strobe over the next couple of years, you're, I, I, I think you're mistaken. This is something that will be 
completely expected before too long in strobes. But the, uh, the, the, the idea of this is, imagine if you're at a wedding and your camera goes down. And let's say you pull out your backup and then one of those obnoxious kids who's running around on the dance floor before the adults are drunk enough to dance runs by you, knocks your camera out of your hand into a punch bowl. I don't know why there's a punch bowl. And okay. and then it dies. <laughs> Never seen a punch bowl in my life at a wedding, but okay. I don't know what kind of <laughs> weddings you're going to, buddy. How are you supposed to spike the punch if there's no bowl? Uh, conceivably, if you're at a wedding or at a portrait session, uh, your camera could be a vi- your phone rather could be a viable backup if you could control strobes with it. Think about that. You could like so you could shoot family formals outside the church on your phone. You could shoot wedding reception dancing pictures with your phone. Absolutely with something like this. Right. As an emergency emergency backup. Yeah, I that's what I mean. That's I mean I would be in certain situations it could work as a backup and in other situations like I guarantee you you're going to start to see magazine covers and articles and other stuff. They're already getting stuff like that shot with phones. Like, I mean, with phones getting better, their sensors getting better, and now the ability to make sure that your phone is shooting at the lowest possible ISO and also lighting it properly with strobes. Like, you can get some really – this could get pretty interesting. Although, here's the thing that I I don't get. This is where the disconnect is. You're going to live in a world where to save weight – you're going to bring your phone as your camera, but you're also going to bring a bunch of big pro photo strobes with you. <laughs> so I, it, right now it feels kind of gimmicky, but it also feels inevitable and feels like there's some cool potential here. Like yeah, imagine yeah. if you could control your 8200 pros or something at a wedding reception with your phone. That would be kind of neat to be able to do that. Right. You know? well, um, right. Well, okay. Yeah. I, to be able to control them, not just to use them with your phone, but also just to control them. With your phone, turn them up and down. Da, da, da. But you, I mean, you can do that with the with the uh, transmitter. Well, what I'm okay. So here's a good example. What if you're at a wedding reception, you've got most of everything covered, and then you want to take some quick pictures with your phone and share them on your social media. Ah, so you could still ah, get you could still get the you could still get the fully lit room that you've got lit with all your beautiful lights. Pop, pop, and then you could post a couple to Instagram straight out of the. You know, that would be that'd be pretty cool. But doesn't the new Canon camera also send the images to your phone? It can't. Yeah, they all have that that connect okay. now. So, so you can just send it to your phone with your camera that you just shot. All it does is would eliminate a step. But yeah, <laughs> right now my first thought was, wow, imagine if you've got your phone and you've got pro photo lights and you're at a wedding or or you're out doing a family portrait on the beach or something. It's like you've got an emergency backup now if you've got pro photo lights. That's a pretty slick. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that my oh, yeah. initial that, thought that, was big. That, yeah, but that's really the only way I see it though. I can't say anything else where I would, why that would be the preferred use of those strobes. No, I would I would agree with that, but that's uh, that's where we're at with that. So anyway, uh, also a cool quick hit here. GoPro has just released a free app that turns your GoPro Hero Eight into a webcam. So one more company has gone the route of making uh, their cameras into webcams. I thought that was pretty cool. And let's see here. Uh, Nikon has officially dropped the master and slave terms, but apparently it has stopped using them quite a while ago. Yeah, Canon stopped using them a couple of years ago, and Nikon, like even further than that, stopped using master and slave. And and I mean, I think just transmitter and receiver works just fine, doesn't it? CNN uh, did a story about this and 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 listed some terms 
that were racist in origin that maybe you didn't realize they were racist in origin. And some of them, I was, hmm, and I, I didn't know that. And then I just thought, I thought, you know, me, everything has its own context. Like, for instance, I didn't realize, I never thought about the term uh, that uh, something got sold down the river. Like if say, well, I got sold down the river on that one. Well, yeah. that's, they're talking about selling slaves in the deep south. That The river is the Mississippi, and they're talking about selling slaves. All that's, right. That's where that term comes from. I don't use that one. Uh, I don't think I've ever used I've, that I've one, used but I've it, heard it. I've used it maybe once or twice. Maybe. I've heard it, but yeah. I, yeah then, I mean, it, it makes complete sense. And then, um, but then when the others, like one was they said, um, well, master bath, master bedroom. Sure. Ah. Master bath, master bedroom. Let's get rid of the mat. You know, I've actually and, heard about that from realtors I've seen yeah, on, and realtors, on Facebook. And, and, realtors, and, and realtors have said, the National Realty Association has said that they're going to stop using that term. They're going to Makes start. sense. Yeah. Uh, but but the Masters golf tournament. Ooh. I thought, I mean, Is because, because I mean, when you talk about the word master. It doesn't mean I own someone. It means that I'm a master of my craft or something. That's the way I take the Masters golf right, tournament. Right, right. But, but did the term master of your craft come from that? Well, I looked into it and it turns out uh, it did not. That referring to someone as a master at something actually predates uh, at least American slavery. And so... Um, there's an argument to be made that, you know, the term master, I mean, you know, we're both master photographers, Gary. Yes. Yeah. So, but, but I have never, but I, I mean, I can't, of course I can't speak for other people, but I have never heard a term like master photographer or the master's golf tournament and in any way associated it with slavery. Yeah. Does, does, the, is the history of why it's called the master's golf tournament, does that have a history in slavery? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's because you know the, you're you're a master of something. You're the very best to say a master that's electrician. I, that's what I would have thought. Yeah, you know, because right. I, you know I always think everything has to be taken in context. You know, you you, don't, you can't just take a, a a broad brush and paint everything. So that would be an area where I would be like, well, let's take a good look at that before we start saying that we can't. I mean, master bath. Okay, that makes sense because it's not called the master bath because it's the best bath. It's called the master bath because it's the bath the bath it's the bath that goes to the master bedroom, which belongs to the master <laughs> yeah so i so those yeah that's i, I think has a slavery connotation it is but, not a bedroom which has uh, uh achieved a level of competence in a particular craft <laughs> like well another good another good example of that is uh, the term peanut gallery have you ever anyone say uh, no comments from the peanut gallery well apparently that has to do with way back in the day when uh blacks were put into a special part of the theater and it was called the peanut gallery uh, and that's what it refers to but i don't think of it that way because it's also what the area was called that the kids sat in on the Howdy Doody show. And the Howdy Doody show was before my time. But my parents grew up watching the Howdy Doody show. And if you were a kid and you lived in the town where Howdy Doody was filmed, your dream was to be in the peanut gallery. You would go down and actually be on the set of, of the Howdy Doody show sitting in the little risers there. And it was called the peanut gallery. And so I, I would argue that that's a term that's been co-opted and, and, and owned by something else now. I don't, I don't know of anyone who would hear the term peanut gallery, even my parents' generation, and would think that it had yeah, something it was, to do something with slavery. My, something my mom said a lot when we were kids. So, you know. Was no comments from the peanut gallery. Yeah, yeah. I've had, right. enough, I've, I've had enough out of the peanut gallery. Yeah, yeah exactly. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I did find it interesting because you know how much I love diving into this stuff. And I did find it interesting that there were these terms that I didn't realize I had those connotations. And then, of course, also the interest of, of do they still have the connotation? I don't know. And then, and then three days later, you woke up shirtless in your front yard in the drainage ditch yes. with a whole bunch of knowledge, but you couldn't yes. remember what had happened. But my bottom line on this stuff is the same as it always is on everything else. Uh, whether or not I think it's offensive really doesn't matter. What really matters is whether or not someone else thinks it's offensive. And 
if it has some sort of value to me that is so great that I'm willing to defend it, even if you find it offensive. And in almost every case, it doesn't. Yeah, in almost every case, if it's offensive to you, okay, then we'll get rid of it. I, it's not, I'm not going to die on this hill. It's not that important to me. Yeah, I don't care. Like, not, if, they, I don't if, they, I, if they renamed the Masters Tournament, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, oh, the Vapors. How could you rename the Masters? <laughs> oh, tournament? heavens to Betsy. Oh, to heavens. And I, okay, <laughs> a big deal. There's still a bunch of golfers playing golf. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, that's it for photography news. I do have one thing that we got a, a listener who wrote in that I thought you may want to address this. This is from James. He wrote in, hey, guys, love the podcast and all of your content. I love the shows that just feel like great friends and great conversation. You guys nail it. BTW, James, go ahead and, and write that on a, a iTunes review, yes. which, you, which you can do in app, which really helps the show. Anyway, but thank you for that. Um, I have some questions about lighting, but first some background, because frankly, I am in a mood to ramble. I'm an IT professional by trade, and over the last 12 months, I've begun to take my photography more seriously. I started primarily for automotive and racing, but quickly discovered that I love so many forms of photography, including portraiture. I still deal with the imposter syndrome, don't we all, buddy? And don't often call myself a photographer as it is not my primary trade, but that's a topic for another day. Recently, I've been asked by several people to take some headshots, other portrait work, and some family photos. I am thrilled as I love the idea of creating quality portraits. I often find myself struggling with artificial lighting and have a couple of questions for you. One, can you point me in the direction of some of your podcasts or other resources or begin digging into mastering portrait lighting? And two, I'm looking to purchase a kit, but become quickly overwhelmed with the choices. As a father of three, budget is most definitely a factor. I currently have just one speed light and a medium-sized diffuser. What advice do you have? Okay, I'm going to make a suggestion here. Shoot. Uh, I, I feel like the show is, we're near the end of the show. I feel like we've been going for a while, haven't we? Yeah, we're, we're, about, we're about where we normally end up. Okay. so. I'm going to suggest that maybe we we do a a part two. Maybe we say, okay, this is a good question and uh, and requires maybe some thought, and that maybe what we should do is save the answer for the next show. And next week, you and I come back with our breakdown of you're just starting out, you want a starting kit. Here is exactly what we would get if we were in your shoes. Anyway, okay. You think? You yeah. Right? All right. Yeah. I'm fine instead with of it. just spitballing it. Say so you, you know, we'll, we'll over, over the next week, you and I will will we'll say, okay, hmm, what would I, what would I, you know, if you, if you were my kid, and you, and from what you want to do, here's exactly what I would buy. It'll give the folks something to look forward to. Oh man, I love an episode that ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> okay, so that's what we'll do next week. Remember, right. because I'll forget. Okay, uh, I, you know what? This will be one of those things where we completely space it and talk about something else. But, you know. <laughs> and then later, somebody they'll be, they'll be in the comments on Facebook going, "What happened to the whole kit thing you were supposed to do?" Hang on, James, and just a word about the imposter syndrome, man. Don't worry. I don't care how yeah. long you've been doing it, how good you are, what you've accomplished. There ain't a single one of us that doesn't feel that sometimes. So hang tight. Keep working your program, and we'll have some in-depth answers for you, and make it sort of our main topic next week. All right. Uh, don't forget, you can find us online. Everything happens on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Podcast is where all the uh, conversation about the show takes place. You can also go to our website, which is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughestheoretti.com. It is. Mine is bourayperry.com. And you can email us, questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. See you later.